Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. When the sun goes down and the moon controls the sky, it's almost as if the rules of our physical world change. In this week's episode, I share stories of the unexplainable things that can happen at night. First, a young man tries to astral project for the first time. Then, I speak with a man who had one of the most bizarre childhood experiences I've ever heard. And finally... I share a heartwarming story of a woman who receives a message from her friend in a dream. Chapter 1. Out of Body, Out of Mind by Mike Nevada I grew up in the Philippines, in a city called Baguio. There, the paranormal was just normal. Everyone had a ghost story, something that couldn't be explained by science. To top that all off, I'm a nerd. I grew up with the X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and my personal favorite, Extreme Ghostbusters. Needless to say, I was all in on the paranormal. But when I moved to Canada in 2007 for university, I felt like I lost a lot of those beliefs. I was too busy worrying about graduating and finding a job and, you know, just life stuff. Then a few months ago, my curiosity for the paranormal came back. I started reading up on ESP, near-death experiences, and astral projection. One night, I read a book called Leaving the Body by D. Scott Rogo. I wasn't sure if I actually believed it would work, but it was worth a try. So that night, I went to bed, played some meditation music I found on YouTube, and laid on my right side as I slept, just like the book suggested. At first I felt silly. I was sure it wasn't going to work. Why would it? I eventually dozed off. In the middle of the night, I woke up. But I couldn't move my body. I've had sleep paralysis before, but this time, it felt different. This time, I was sure some presence was watching me but I couldn't see it because my eyes were still shut. This presence spoke in a child's voice. It told me, Don't be scared. I'll help you out of your body like you wanted. I tried moving side to side, and when I finally was able to move, I actually rolled outside of my body. I was floating in the air. I saw the creature that spoke to me. It was this translucent blue baby. 
I went towards it to take a closer look and saw that it had red glowing cheeks and sharp vampire-like teeth. For some reason, I didn't feel scared. That night, I flew all around my house and when I was done, I gently floated back into my body and then woke up. I tried replicating the experience again in the months afterward, but to no avail. That is, until two days ago. Unlike my last experience, I wasn't looking to astral project. It just happened. After falling asleep, I, again, was stuck in sleep paralysis. Again, I heard that familiar child's voice telling me, Don't be scared. I'll help you out of your body like you wanted. But for whatever reason, this time, I decided I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay in my body. The baby tried coaxing me out, but I was stubborn and didn't want to leave. With my eyes still shut, I felt it try to pull me out. What happened next was the strangest sensation I've ever felt. It was as if I was playing a tug of war for my soul. The blue astral baby kept pulling at me, and I tried as much as possible to stay inside of myself. I felt like I was being ripped apart. Eventually, the being stopped pulling, and there I was, still in sleep paralysis. I couldn't move, and I was screaming internally for help. What was only a few minutes felt like an eternity to me. I remembered my dad told me once, if you're in sleep paralysis, try focusing on moving your toes. So I did just that. I used all my willpower to move my toes, and eventually, they started moving. The rest of my body followed suit, and I opened my eyes, finally wide awake. There's a part of me that wants to believe that my experience was just a lucid dream, that I didn't actually leave my body, and that this strange blue astral baby was just a figment of my imagination. Regardless, I'm definitely not going to try astral projecting again. At least, not willingly. Many different cultures believe in some sort of concept of our soul being a separate entity from our physical body. Astral projection is the act of consciously separating your soul from your body. It's an incredibly difficult skill to master, but can result in misfortune if not done correctly. In shamanism, it is believed that this temporary separation is what causes illness. The permanent separation of soul and body results in death. So it seems to me that whatever Mike encountered took advantage of his vulnerable state and tried to permanently separate his soul from his body. Luckily, Mike was able to regain control and wake up. There are also those who theorize that whenever we dream, we are actually astral projecting. It's the reason our dreams can feel so real. So when you get ready for bed tonight, set an intention or a prayer for a peaceful trip because you may not be strong enough to fight any entities who come your way. Chapter 2 How did we get here? 
Um, my name is Corey Choi, and I'm originally from Silver Spring, Maryland. Apologies for the sound quality of our call. So, when I was a little kid, my best friend was named Sam, and we used to play. Uh, he lived across the street. And um, I used to have a recurring nightmare about this weird, translucent, purplish monster, kind of in the form of a man, but with an indistinct face. The best way to describe it is almost like a personified bruise. If a bruise was a person, it was very scary looking. Every time I would see it, I would just have this complete and encompassing feeling of terror. And in the nightmare, usually I was running or I was hiding from this thing. I would call it, I don't know the monster was my name for it. <laughs> um, because I didn't know how to describe it, really. And no matter where I would hide, it would somehow figure out where I was and start coming towards me. And for whatever reason, in these dreams, if I was hiding somewhere, I could always see where it was through the walls. And I could always know just the exact moment when it knew where I was and was coming. And I think what made this different for me as a kid is that it felt more real than other dreams that I had, and I could remember them much, much, much more vividly. After waking up from them, I would be covered in sweat, and I'd be shaking, and, you know, I would have other nightmares, but this is one where it was like, okay, here I am again. This is exactly the same. This is exactly the same. This is really scary. So Sam and I were best friends, and I think we were either somewhere between four and six, somewhere around there at the time. And I would tell him about my my dreams or whatever. I forget exactly how it was, but somehow we discovered that he had been having the same dreams. And what was interesting is that he didn't dream that this thing was chasing him in his house. It was always that we both were dreaming that the whole chase was happening in my house. And... Um, the next night, Sam and I had the same dream about hiding in the same places together. And we could tell each other exactly where we were, what was around us, where we decided to go next. It was pretty weird. And we told it to our we told our moms, uh, his mom, Carol, was like, you know, Sam was asleep at our house all night. How would he possibly you know, be over there? And this is a time when your kid adores a real obstacle. You know, like if it's locked, maybe you know how to unlock it. Maybe you don't. Our moms chalked it up to, you know, just kids being kids. So it would keep happening, though, and that we, we, we thought it was weird. And then this is the, the weirdest one. And this is why I actually wrote to you, because I remember this when I saw your prompt. One time I was having a really, really scary version of this nightmare. I was hiding in the basement we called it the blue room. So I was hiding something in the blue room under a box. And I was hiding with my friend Sam in the dream. And I don't know the monster had kind of locked on to us. And he was coming and coming and coming. And we were getting scared, more and more scared. And before in these nightmares, 
he he would get to the point where he would discover us and get close, and then I would wake up. This time, it got closer than ever before, and it did something that it never did before. It moved something. Before, it would only pass through spaces. This time, it threw the box that we were hiding under on off, at which point, uh, in the dream, and at which point we just started running, and we started running up the basement steps. And this is the weird part that I'll never be able to explain. Both Sam and I woke up that night running up the basement steps screaming. (laughs) Uh, No one ever figured out how Sam had gotten from his house to my house. You know, of course, my mom came running and she's like, what the heck are you doing here, Sam? Brought him over and, you know, it's the middle of the night. What are you doing up? Why are you not in your room? Why aren't you with your brother in your, you know, your room? And uh, yeah, we just never had an explanation. So not only did Corey and Sam have the exact same dream, but they both woke up in the basement of Corey's house. What are some logical explanations for this to have happened? Um, I know that people do sleepwalk sometimes, so I think what my parents thought was maybe Sam had their explanations that Sam was sleepwalking and came over to our house and came to the basement and I was also sleepwalking and somehow that happened. Or, you know, I guess that's the version where my parents believed us. Uh, I I asked my mom about it once or twice and she's always like, oh, you must have been sleepwalking. I have never slept sleepwalked. Uh, Sam has never sleepwalked before or since. So I don't find that super plausible. Let's say that Corey and Sam were in fact sleepwalking. It still doesn't explain how Sam got into Corey's house. The way my house was set up, there was a, first of all, there was a sliding door that you would have to open up that had a lock on it. But not only did the sliding door have a lock, and this is something that's really funny. My mom, when this, it was an addition for the sliding door. So there were basically two doors. You have to go in through the addition, which we called the new room. And then you would have to go through the new room to what was originally the front door to get to the house. So there was an exterior, two, two exterior doors. And the thing is my, my mother didn't feel uh, secure because there were some pranksters, you know, prankster kids in my neighborhood. So in addition to the lock every night, my father would put a bar in the new room door to keep it. It would be impossible to slide it open. You'd have to break the door to open it. But, you know, when we were like little kids, there's no way without somebody removing that bar that somebody would have gotten it. And then after that, they would have had to, to get in through, gotten through the exterior door. As for windows, they were too high up for me to reach at that point. I would have had to drag a chair and unlock, figure out how to unlock the window, open the window, get the screen open, have Sam climb through. I, as, a, as a teenager, maybe I would have gone through the windows, but as a little kid, no way. After that incident, Corey and Sam never shared the same dream again. But that night changed Corey forever. Everybody has a moment in their life where they realize that their parents or adults in general might not just be right about whatever they're saying. And when you have that moment, it hits you like a truck. And the first time you realize that your world, you know, your, your parents just don't control everything in the world. Even your mom, you know, can't just control everything and she might not be right or she might not know what happened. That's a 
big moment in someone's life. I think for me, it had probably happened a little bit earlier than some people would have that happen. You know, I was a pretty little kid when I, I realized that what she's saying is not what I know to be true. I've always been fascinated with the spiritual and the magical ever since. Once I realized that not everybody knows what's going on and maybe some things are unknowable, I've always wanted to kind of explore. I've, I've always had a pretty healthy curiosity about different religions. So yeah, no, I think, I think, I think it did have a pretty big impact on me now that I think about it. Maybe it wasn't just this, but this in combination with lots of other things. These are the types of stories that fascinate me the most. It's seemingly simple, but the more you dig into it, the more strange everything becomes. Did Sam somehow teleport into Corey's basement? And even if they simply were sleepwalking and somehow managed to open a window or undo all the locks, they managed to coordinate everything while completely unconscious. Or what if someone was there with them, assisting them along the way? Stories like this are a reminder that we may never know what we're capable of or what truly goes on around us when we are asleep. This is something that I've never been able to explain and I don't think I ever will be able to explain. And that's what, to me, that's what supernatural is. That's what spiritual is. That's what paranormal is. That's what higher power is. It's something that you can't explain. And I don't think there ever will be a way to explain this. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Chapter 3. My Gothic Soulmate by Marie Conway in 2011, I decided to leave college after my first year and go to cosmetology school. My family was absolutely pissed. Shortly after I started, I had a horrible breakup and was heartbroken to the point of grief. I met another girl in beauty school named Katie, who had just broken up with her fiancé and was hurting from it big time. We were both heartbroken, and we were both goth-looking, so we were drawn to each other and became fast friends. 
Actually, we jokingly decided we were gothic soulmates, so we called each other our GSM, for short. My gothic soulmate and I were constantly drinking, getting high, and getting into trouble. We had a lot of fun, but it started to get problematic. One time, we got into three minor car accidents in one night because she was driving drunk. She almost failed out of beauty school because she would stay out all night partying and sleep past 5 p.m., missing the entire day. My own life kind of started to go into the gutter as well. I had to quit my job at the hair salon where we were both working. I moved back to my mom's house in the suburbs because my mental health was deteriorating. I didn't see much of Katie during this time, and we eventually lost touch. This was partly because I moved, but I also kind of stopped reaching out because she was on a whole other level of wildness and partying than me. I was trying to clean up my life and go back to college, and she seemed to be spiraling into worse and worse alcoholism. I was scared for her and didn't know how to handle it, so I stopped reaching out. But I continued to love her with all my heart from a distance and would sometimes hear her voice in my head cracking jokes and saying her own phrases and made-up words. Last summer, she had been on my mind because I was coming up on one year without drinking alcohol. I had been thinking about our party days and how we would just drink with reckless abandon. My life was very different at this point. I had finally finished college, too. Then one night in early July, I had a dream that ended up being quite a gut punch. In the dream, Katie had died. I was in a dark room near a clothing rack with lots of black clothing hanging on it. It was all her taste of clothing, black, fishnet, dominatrix-looking stuff. I was standing there with her possessions that she had left behind, overwhelmed with grief and missing her. I woke up confused, unsettled, and surprised I'd remembered a dream for once. Later that day, after work, I decided to Google stalk her to see what she was up to. When I typed in her name, her obituary came up. I screamed at my computer. I was wiped out for days. I was shocked by how weak the loss made me. I could barely reach for a glass of water without getting tired. I've never felt that quality of exhaustion before. But then, I don't know how to explain it, but I felt her presence with me for several days after that. It was like she was right by me. I've never had such a close and sure feeling of someone being present with me who wasn't really there. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before. I have heard of people feeling the presence of a loved one who passed, but never really thought about it too much. For example, I had a coworker some years ago who, not long after her father died, felt his presence while alone one day and smelled the cigars he used to smoke when she was absolutely certain there was no one around smoking a cigar. Her sharing this with me made me believe that it's a real phenomenon. When Katie was present with me, it was more of an affirmative signal I would receive. It would come on like a light switch. It was like an undeniable fact when she was there. It's kind of like when you're talking to someone and they give you an affirmative nonverbal cue like nodding or smiling. I would just feel her soul like she was there with me, laughing or egging me on. 
the time I started crying randomly on my break at work, it felt like my heart was overflowing with love from her. It really felt like she was proud of me without using any words to tell me. It's hard to describe. I've never tried to put words to it before, but my best attempt is to say it feels like her soul is being projected onto mine. When I get her messages, it's loud and clear. I think she sent me the dream message because she wanted me to know. She passed last March, and I didn't know about it until July because I'm not on social media. I also think she waited until July because I was going through an extremely stressful time in my last semester of college in May and then scrambling to find a job in June. And she waited till things had settled down in early July, when I was ready. A few days after the dream, her presence eventually drifted away, which is okay. She was there when I needed her. But every once in a while, she comes back. I have a hard time being proud of myself, but one time, when I had started my new job and was financially independent for the first time, I randomly started sobbing while out walking on my lunch break because I could feel how proud she was of me. I know I can't really offer any proof. I have some non-believers in my life who have been pretty dismissive of my experience, but I can only say my truth which is that she visited me and told me that she had passed and then hung out with me for a few days. I miss her like crazy, but I'm really grateful to be able to share all this with you. It's not something I talk about often because not everyone would understand. Dreams are one of the most common ways in which spirits can communicate with us, as I mentioned in Season 1, Episode 3. In traditional Chinese medicine, it's believed that when you dream vividly, you're actually not getting the deepest sleep you can. So my theory is that because you are in this limbo state of consciousness between wide awake and fast asleep, your mind is perfectly prepped for receiving messages from spirits in your dreams. I think it's incredibly sweet that Katie let Marie know about her passing in this way, just like how a gothic soulmate should. Thanks for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to see the different tiers and perks like live watch parties or private tarot readings. What strange things have happened to you at night? Email me at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Out of Body, Out of Mind was submitted by Mike Nevada. My Gothic Soulmate was submitted by Marie Conway. Special thanks to my guest, Corey Choi. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com.